Welcome to Living Word Ministries with director and Bible teacher, Debbie Blank. Each week, Debbie examines current events through the lens of end times Bible prophecies. Please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org. Now let's open our Bibles to focus on truths from God's Word with Debbie Blank. So many things are happening so quickly these days that point to the soon return of Jesus Christ. That's why we want to touch the surface of those activities and answer your questions at a special evening dedicated to current events that match up with Bible prophecy. Please join Jan Weil and myself, Debbie Blank, on Thursday, October 5th at Redeemer Church in Omaha, 13831 Industrial Road, from 7 to 9 p.m. You can learn more about this at our website at livingwordministry.org. Hope to see you there. Now for today's discussion, there's a shakeup going on in many countries in the world that's causing a lot of divisions within that country. Just think of Brexit a few years back and France and all the civil disobedience they're going through in the civil war practically. Nigeria just had a coup from a military leader who overthrew the elected president. Of course, the United States, we're in political turmoil with the media and the politics, which has been shown by the destroying of political leaders. Then you look at Israel. Their upheaval in that country over the last several months over what they say is judicial reforms is splitting that country that has been so united since their formation 75 years ago. What is happening and what's the outcome? There seems to be an overall agenda by the progressive world leaders to bring all the nations into a one world government, which we know, of course, is biblical and will happen before Jesus returns. But in order for them to do that, the World Economic Forum and organizations like that have a desire to bring the national leaders into conformity with their agenda. In order to do that, they have to get rid of the conservative leaders around the world. They also have to find leaders who are in agreement with their agenda. That means, too, that nations are going to be weakened, more divisive, more chaotic, so that all the nations are going to be eager to work with a one-world system because they can't solve the issues on their own. Understanding that this political agenda, I believe, is behind these world events Let's look today specifically at Israel, because it's that country that is the center of end times Bible prophecy. It is that country where Jesus is going to return. So we need to be kept informed as to what's happening there so we can be looking for Jesus' return. I'm co-host Jackie Sailors. From the day modern Israel was born in 1948, Israel's existence has been under attack. In past programs, we've discussed the miraculous ways Israel has managed to survive, and we've seen God's mighty hand behind those miracles. Yet, the enemy doesn't ever give up. It just keeps doubling down. As Debbie just said, there are forces around the world that are creating division and chaos among the people of other nations as well to cause instability and opportunities for groups like the World Economic Forum and anyone else who supports plans for a one-world government, like the one predicted in the Bible. The plot behind the current chaos in the Israeli government seems to have just been uncovered. 
And as we wait to see what happens next, we also know that there is always a supernatural plot and an ancient enemy against the survival of Israel. Ah, but fortunately, God's in charge. He is sovereign. We're told in Daniel chapter 2 that he removes kings and establishes kings. So ultimately, he's in charge and he's bringing the pieces of the puzzle together worldwide in order to prepare for the return of Jesus Christ. It's still fun for us to know and follow what's going on so we can look towards this amazing event that's going to happen. Well, as we look at Israel, they are now in their 38th week of nationwide demonstrations over what the news media has labeled as a civil war over judicial reforms. Is that really the case? We've been going to Israel for almost 30 years, and they hardly have any major disagreements. I've never seen any picketing. I've never seen any demonstrations. But now it's everywhere, all across the country, stopping air traffic even, as well as car traffic throughout the state. Again, the news media says it's because of these judicial reforms that the Knesset is initiating. But is that the case? We'll see that soon enough. Now, the judicial reform issue we talked about on this show on April 30th. So if you want to know that or understand it, you can go back and listen to that program on our website at livingwordministry.org. In a nutshell, the judicial reform has to happen because the Supreme Court has gained too much power. They are an unelected body of people that are put in their positions by elites. In other words, it's a political move for these Supreme Court justices, and yet they can overrule the Knesset, the decisions and the laws that the Knesset makes, and the Knesset is the elected body. So there's way too much power in the Supreme Court. They need to have some reforms, but the reforms the media says are what are causing all the problems right now. And what's interesting is the media and the Supreme Court are talking about how these judicial reforms are a threat to their democracy. Does that sound familiar? Do we hear that here all the time? A threat to the democracy. And as you just pointed out, the Supreme Court is not democratically elected. It's the Knesset that's democratically elected. Overruling the Knesset would be more of a threat to their democracy. So they're twisting everything. The message is totally twisted. But that's what happens. When you're trying to create chaos and confusion and division, that's what you do. You twist the facts. So you give the facts that you want the people to hear and you want them to believe, not the reality. So let's look at the reality of this. According to the facts... Prime Minister Netanyahu is the longest tenured prime minister in Israel. He served over 15 years, and he was last properly elected. And that's important to remember that the people elected him in November of 2022. His main platform for running that he was elected on was these judicial reforms. So the people obviously agree with the direction that he's going. Now, understand that Benjamin Netanyahu is a conservative. He's a hawkish prime minister who's made lots of reforms in Israel. He's protected the country against all of their enemies. He's moved Israel onto the world stage as one of the best economies and one of the best militaries in the world. So he's done an excellent job in that regard, but he's conservative. There's conservative issues that he wants for the state that he's not willing to negotiate with, and that is giving up certain properties for the Palestinians to take over for their potential new state in the future. 
He's not willing to give them everything they want, though he is willing to compromise. So it's the side, the progressive side, who wants to go the way of the world, who wants to get the support of the world, who doesn't agree with Netanyahu. That's why for the last several elections, the progressive left, their mantra in the elections have been anybody but Netanyahu. It wasn't against what he believes because they don't agree with what he believes clearly, but they just wanted him out. They've been painting him as the evil person who's destroying the country when in fact he's doing everything he can to keep the country safe and build it up. But that's not how they see it. Sound familiar? That's what we're seeing in our country as people demonize Donald Trump for what he did or what he tried to do, whether it was true or not. They are demonizing him, just like they're demonizing Netanyahu. Another parallel between Netanyahu and Trump is the way he's being treated as far as indictments. Now, I think Trump is a few up on him now, but over in Israel, they were indicting Netanyahu on things that were created, not things that were truly against the law. So it's the same kind of get him at any cost. It's not a problem to them to create all of this chaos to get him out of there. And as you said, he was properly elected. There were five elections in four years. The other side had failed to govern. So the Israeli people went back to Netanyahu, agreed with these judicial reforms, and yet somehow they can twist everything all over again. When I said that he's been the prime minister for 15 years, it has not been consecutive. As a matter of fact, as you just said, back in 2019, he was ousted from the prime ministership. Properly elected progressives were put in place, and they only were able to run the government for a couple of years before the people said, we don't want you. We want Benjamin Netanyahu again. So the opposition will still do anything to get rid of him since he's more concerned with Israel, with strengthening it, than he is with working with people like the World Economic Forum or becoming more of a progressive country. Let me give you just a snippet of what these judicial reforms are all about. First of all, they would limit the power of the Supreme Court. Remember, the Supreme Court is an unelected body. As a matter of fact, they are selected or chosen by the president, but their names are approved by political organizations rather than by the Knesset. So the Knesset is trying to change it. So the Knesset are the ones who appoint the Supreme Court justices, just like our Senate approves our Supreme Court justices. They also, in these reforms, want to define which laws can and can't be struck down by the Supreme Court. And that's talking about the basic laws that Israel really considers as part of their constitution. In our Supreme Court, they are supposed to uphold the Constitution of the United States and all the decisions that they make. Israel doesn't have a Constitution. They probably never will based on what we're seeing right now. But they do have basic laws. And the intent of the basic laws is to eventually take those basic laws and form a Constitution out of them. So these basic laws that they call them really can't be changed by the Supreme Court, or at least that was the intent. But we'll find out on September 12th that the Supreme Court tries to change that, and then that would change the circumstances. The bottom line is the overhaul wants to grant the Knesset the right to supersede Supreme Court decisions, which right now they can't do. I mean, it's pretty simple what they're trying to do in the reforms, and all of it's good, and it has nothing to do with undermining democracy. 
But when you take an issue, there's always two sides. And the side that's against it can demonize the one side and make up all kinds of lies that the people will believe because they don't know anything any differently. Well, that's because the media will take that side and will project the one as being true and the other as being false. We've seen that in our government and in our media. It's the same kind of a pattern. You were talking about these revolutions. There's a term called color revolution that was pretty much what you had described that's happening all over the world in all kinds of situations in different countries. And it can be summed up as usually somewhat legitimate protests that get hijacked by individuals financed by other forces that infiltrate for their own purposes to bring about a change in the government for their own good. It's the kind of thing that if there's a world group or a world organization or a world sentiment controlling those things behind the scene, or perhaps principalities and powers that are controlling things behind the scenes, it can bring about that kind of thing all over the world to a point where it turns into a world government system. We as the United States should not be involved in the election of leaders in other countries. And yet we have been. When Barack Obama was president, he funneled money into a group that tried to undermine Netanyahu in the elections in Israel in that year. So we've tried, our country has anyway, in some ways, to undermine Netanyahu in the past. But this is within Netanyahu's own country that this is happening. Now, one thing I want to explain is that, as I said before, Israel has no constitution. So the decisions that the Supreme Court makes, they use a standard to nullify the law. And that standard is called the standard of reasonableness. Uh, Everybody's reasonableness is going to be different. But anyway, if members of the court do not think the law is reasonable, they can kill the law with a simple vote against it. That's pretty easy. As I said earlier, they did that first time in 1995. They rarely did it afterwards, but once in a while they would, and now they're doing it much more often. Over the last few years, they've increasingly used this standard to remove laws which are merely a political disagreement. That is not the purpose of a Supreme Court or judicial body. That's one of the reasons we're having so many problems, because reasonableness is in the eye of the beholder. When the Knesset passes a law, the majority of the elected people in the Knesset use their reasonableness to pass the law. But a Supreme Court should have more of a foundation for overturning the elected body than just simply whether they agree with it politically or not. Could these demonstrations be a ruse to turn the country against Netanyahu? We have proof that that's exactly what's happening. And that's what's really interesting is we're wondering how did this set of circumstances come about to push Netanyahu out, and yet there has been a plan that has been revealed, a plot against Netanyahu from an interesting source, a former prime minister of the state of Israel who pretty much wanted to give away the store to the Palestinians, only wasn't able to because Arafat wanted everything. So it was really interesting to me when you pointed out who is behind this plot. Ehud Barak was the prime minister of Israel in 1999. He actually defeated Benjamin Netanyahu, but he was only in for a short period of time. During that time, President Clinton held what was known as the Middle East Summit at Camp David, where he invited Ehud Barak and Yasser Arafat of the Palestinian Authority. At that summit, Ehud Barak agreed to give up much of the West Bank, 
all of the Gaza Strip and East Jerusalem to the Palestinians, making East Jerusalem the capital of the Palestinian Authority. But Arafat, as you said, did not agree to those terms. If he'd agreed to those terms, the only thing he needed to give up was recognition of Israel as a sovereign Jewish state, and he would not do that. As a matter of fact, if you go back and look over the last hundred years at all the negotiations between Israel and the Palestinians over that land, they were given so many opportunities to form a state and to have a lot of territory in what we know now as Israel. And every single time they turned it down. Why? Because they made it absolutely clear then and each and every time they want all or nothing. They want all of what is now Israel, or they don't want anything. How long is that going to last? Well, we don't know. Maybe that's the peace agreement that happens with the Antichrist, is to bring the Palestinians and the Israelis together. We don't know that, but certainly there's an issue with the Palestinians saying that they're a state, but not wanting to legally form one in some agreed-upon borders. How do we know that Ehud Barak is behind all of this? Because Knesset Minister Galit Distal and others, they posted this video that was just recovered with former Prime Minister Ehud Brock talking. He was recorded on the Zoom call with a group of protest activists in March of 2020, detailing a master plan which would deliberately ignite civil disobedience. What he wanted to do was create a false representation of a danger to Israel's democracy. Now, did you catch that? A false representation. That is, he wanted it to speak to everybody. He wanted it to be catchy. He wanted it to fuel and ignite a civil war. I watched the video. It's amazing that he would do this as a former leader of Israel, absolutely wanting to create a civil war. But he begged this group to create clashes with the police, saying the more clashes there are with the police, the more it will grow stronger. So the plan was massively funded, and we can imagine some of the people who probably funded it. And the fact is, it was to have nothing to do with whatever the surface issue was. At that time, there was no judicial reform discussed. They didn't have some of the Knesset members who are causing a stir right now and people are wanting to get rid of. They didn't have the issues back then that they have now. But they planned on picking an issue that would bring about civil war and civil disobedience. So we have that smoking gun, the video where he himself is saying he plotted this ahead of time to essentially overthrow the government, cause a civil war. Isn't that treason? Well, right now, this particular Knesset member has taken his name to the attorney general so that he will be brought up on charges for what he's done, because he didn't just do this to the video. In March of 2023, he gave an address to Chatham House, the Royal Institute of International Affairs, which is a London-based think tank. He gave a counter-revolution strategy to bring down the Netanyahu government. So he has clearly created treason. Now understand, too, that Ehud Barak is a member of the Labor Party. Benjamin Netanyahu is a member of the Likud Party. In Israel, they have dozens of parties. 
each one of them, if they gain a certain number of seats in the Knesset, can serve. So the Knesset is not just made up of these two parties. It's made up of several parties. And the prime minister must make a coalition with those parties in order to have a majority of the people in the Knesset. In our country, we have the Democrats and the Republicans primarily. Few independents, but really those are the two parties. What do they do? They fight against each other all the time. They try and destroy the candidates on the other side because they want the power. Well, that's kind of what's happening here because the Labour and Likud parties have been the two largest parties forming the most prime ministers in the history of Israel. And they're fighting against each other. And Ehud Barak simply wants control again of the government for his Labour Party. As a matter of fact, part of his strategy was not only to create civil disobedience and a civil war which will oust Netanyahu, but he then wanted them to put him in as the incoming prime minister because he's the only one that can bring peace to Israel, is what he was telling people. Now, how arrogant is that? When you have a division in the country, by the way, I will tell you that not all of the demonstrations that we're seeing in Israel are against you judicial reforms. A lot of them are for the judicial reforms, but you don't hear that because people who believe in them, who support Netanyahu are also picketing and demonstrating, but the media doesn't tell you that. They make you believe everything that's going on is anti-Netanyahu and anti-reforms. Well, they're very good at twisting the stories and changing things so that you only see one side of things. So what we have is somebody who says he's the only one that can bring peace when he's creating civil war. I mean, look at the harm that's already been done in that country. Plus, it opens Israel up to existential threats from other countries, Iran or other places that have wanted to make sure that Israel is wiped off the face of the earth. It just offers them opportunities that they shouldn't have. Israel cannot afford to be weakened. What we're seeing is that many of the people in the military reserve, which are not the required military, but people who serve optionally, they're taking sides and they're refusing to serve. The enemies of Israel are seeing all this. They're right now not coming up against Israel too much because they're waiting to see if Israel implodes or if the civil unrest destroys the country. Israel cannot afford to have this happen. We know biblically that this will not be the downfall of Israel. It will eventually be the Antichrist making a firm covenant with the Jews for seven years. And then in the middle of that seven years, he's going to stop their sacrifices and grain offerings on the Temple Mount. And that's when literally everything's going to break loose. He's going to declare himself to be God in the temple, and then the Jews are going to have to flee because he's going to want to destroy the Jews at that point. That's future. That's what's going to happen then. That's not this situation. We don't see this situation in the Bible right now. What we do see is unrest leading to all of this world government idea and what could force Israel into having to make this firm covenant in the future. Because Right now, the United States and other Western powers have a lot of power over Israel because we give them money and we give them military defense. And more importantly, we give them support. If people go against Israel, we would be there to support Israel. If we leave them or if we don't agree with where they're going and we choose to back off, that'll cause a lot of problems in Israel. We're watching what is happening in Israel, and as you said, in Europe, we're also watching things happening in our own country. Again, as we look to the Bible, we see a progression toward a one-world government. 
So you mentioned the World Economic Forum. There's Klaus Schwab. There are plans that they have laid out that they're very public about. We do know that that's in Scripture, whether it's that particular organization and person behind it. Ultimately, there will be a one-world government described in Revelation. Understand again, this is not spontaneous. This wasn't people just standing up against the judicial reforms. This was planned. Not only was it planned, but Ehud Brock even admitted that he took his direction from a book called Why Civil Resistance Works that was published in 2012. That book They took hundreds of civil protests from the 1900s to 2006, and they found a common denominator. And that is that protests that succeed include three and a half percent of the population or basically eight percent of the adult population and tenaciously and persistently keep up the protests, the boycotts, the civil disobedience. At the end, the government either falls or capitulates to those who are causing the problems. That's what they found. And so Brock thought, I'm going to take this and we're going to work it. And eventually my party and me probably will be the prime minister. And we're just going to bring Israel to La La Land where it needs to be. Well, we don't know. Maybe it will work. And maybe Ehud Brock is the one who needs to be the prime minister to usher in the end times. It's a very interesting scenario because it matches up so clearly with what's happening in other countries. So we know it's a concerted effort worldwide, and it's all designed to bring about this one world government. So why are we bringing this up now, at least about Israel? Well, the important thing to understand is the video was just released, which showed the bottom line, the underlying current for why these demonstrations are taking place. And we also see this happening at a general time when it's happening in many other countries. But most importantly, on September 12th, an unprecedented thing is going to happen in Israel. The Israeli Supreme Court will decide, quote, if it holds dictatorial powers unlike any other court in any other democracy, power not derived from any law ever passed. The court will decide whether to nullify a new basic law in Israel That would be equivalent to the United States Supreme Court nullifying part of the Constitution as unconstitutional, end quote. And that's from Hal Lindsey, what he says in one of his recent reports. So basically, the Knesset has just passed a law on July 24th that is called a basic law. And the amendment to this basic law restricts the high court, the Supreme Court's ability to nullify a Knesset law. So if the court rules against it on September 12th, it's going to be ruling against the laws of the Knesset, the basic laws, which while they don't have a constitution, they consider the basic laws to be part of their future constitution. And the Supreme Court then would be going against the will of the people who elected the Knesset members to make the laws. In other words, the Supreme Court, if on September 12th, they nullify this law, they're taking supreme leadership. If you talk about destroying a democracy, that will destroy the democracy because it will put these unelected Supreme Court justices in charge of everything that happens in Israel. That's the worst that can happen. It's been happening since 1995, but just rarely. Now, if they take over this particular law, this basic law, then they are the supreme leaders of Israel. 
It makes you wonder then what the reaction of the people will be then, because you talked about there's a group of people who did elect Netanyahu based on the need for judicial reform, and here is a clear picture of why they needed judicial reform. Well, we need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, according to Psalm 122, 6. Pray that the truth will be brought out and the coup will not be successful. And we also need to recognize that the civil chaos is designed to weaken Israel and open the doors to international interventions. So let's keep praying because the times keep changing that will soon bring about the return of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us today on Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank. This is a listener-supported show. If you'd like to support this program or contact Debbie Blank, you may do so at P.O. Box 540-003, Omaha, Nebraska, 68154, or visit our website at livingwordministry.org. Please tune in each week at this same time for Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank.